Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. So today we have got Mock Draft Fever. I am joined by three members of the Five Yard family. Um, and we are going to have a little bit of a rookie mock draft. So joining me, we have got the main man. We have got Stocks. How are you doing, Stocks? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Didn't expect to be first up here. I thought you were going to leave me for a blockbuster <laughs> finish, if I'm honest. No, I'm joking. Um, I'm excited. This is... I'd forgotten, Rich, if I'm honest, that I was doing this until you put the, the uh, WhatsApp group out. And so I got a bit of end of weekend excitement, which was good. So I'm looking forward to it. Great stuff. Very, very pleased to have you on. And then, uh, and then also we've got the uh, the main man of five co- five yard college. So we've got Jordan. How you doing? Well, you caught me in a whale. I'm waiting to be last. I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, very good. I thought let, let's start with some fun. Let's start with some chaos, and I, I'd try and mess you all up with the intros. So good to have you on, Jordan. And then, uh, and then, still recovering from uh, an exceptional weekend um, watching Bolton. We have got Tom. How you doing, Tom? Hi, mate. Well, I'm just glad to be here, seeing as though, you know, <laughs> Ash didn't get an invite. Ash has been booted from the show. So, you know, I'm glad to be joining these two main men of the <laughs> five-yard family. You know, I, Ash- feel like, uh, I feel like cousin it, but I'm here and I'm happy. That's good. Good to have you. Ash, Ash got an invite, but he, was, um, he turned us down for the pub, I'm afraid. So. That sounds like Ash. 
Um, at least it's not mistress. just me that gets rejected for the pub. <laughs> <laughs> um, so diving straight into it then, guys, we are going to do a rookie mock draft. Um, so this is going to be a super PR tight end premium mock draft. We are going to draft it as if there is no team needs, no kind of individual needs. We're not going to try and build a roster so that hopefully this gives you an idea of how your rookie your rookie draft should look. So we're going to snake it between the four of us. Um, so first up, we are going to stock. So stock the pressure pick. It feels like there's a consensus 101 in, in most Superflex leagues. Are you going to follow it or...? It depends on the consensus for who, Rich. No, I'm not. I'm I'm a massive advocate of taking Travis Kelsey. You know, if if you think you can get running back strength a little bit later, apart from maybe CMC, Barkley, like outside of the top four, I'm taking Travis Kelsey at five. And I, I don't feel anything bad about it apart from value at that point because he was the wide receiver four, I think, last year in PPR. So if you're going to get bonus points for him, in in tight end premium then the 101 here is Kyle Pitts and it's I know he's a rookie tight end but I think the drop off after him here is significant and and tight end premium Kyle Pitts is the 101 baby and I don't feel shame in not taking a quarterback no it's absolutely it's um you know I was I was moaning the other day that Kyle Pitts is is being overdrafted and I feel like I'm not going to get him in any league and this this is another one that I'm not going to get a chance to to draft him are you Concerned that we're almost setting him up to fail slightly. The expectations are, you know, so high on him at the moment. I mean, Tom will attest to this as well. I think pretty much as soon as the season started and he started the way he did, he was setting him, not setting himself up to fail because that's the wrong way to put it. But the hype train was already out of control pretty much three games, four games into the college season. So I don't think we can pile on any more than we already have, if that makes sense. And I think... I think it could be sneaky value-wise as well because if Julio does get moved on, those targets are going to go elsewhere and why not to the new big man that Matt Ryan can rely on? Yeah, credit to Murph. Murph called it, what, five months ago, I think, on my first five-yard podcast that Julio was going to get traded and all of a sudden it now feels like that's inevitable rather than a, a sort of a hot take. So br- bringing you in, Tom, do you think that Culp is as good as everybody says he is? He is, yeah. Yeah. And I think that we've seen where Pitts is being drafted without a tight end premium. And, you know, people are going to be taking him at fourth, fifth overall. So when you add that that extra bonus in, then I can I can see why it's the one oh one. I'm doing I'm doing style jumps here because hey, listen, everybody knows what I'm about to do. <laughs> so Tom's up with the one OT, so no shock, I guess, Tom. Where where are you going here? Listen, when you plant your flag with somebody, you, yes, you ride with them till the end. And uh, one hundred two, I'm taking the best, the best of, of every position uh, in my book. No, um, I'm, I'm taking Trey Lance, and that is because when I'm playing fantasy football, I, I want to be invested in players, and I know how good Trevor Lawrence is, and I know how good Trevor Lawrence is going to be, but. I love Trey Lance and, and there's nothing anybody can say or do to, to convince me not to have him on my fantasy football teams. And if we're talking ceilings, Trey Lance has the highest ceiling in this quarterback class. So I am running to the podium. Jordan, I'm sure you're happy with, with that and maybe not <laughs> expecting it. But give me, give me Trey Lance all day. I, I, 
I completely get the argument. You know, I, I said it four months ago that I think Trey Lance has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this class. I, I caught quite a lot of flack for that statement. Um, but I look, I, I personally wouldn't do it because I'm probably drafting a little bit more for that floor. Um, I am a little bit scared of the, you know, the, the lack of production at an elite conference. Um, but if, the, if, if it clicks in San Francisco, we could be looking at, let's be honest, the most fantasy viable and the most valuable dynasty asset. If we look, if, if we look at the, the two league. quarterbacks in 2018, Rich, that people had the biggest question marks on, it was Josh Allen because of the school and because of his accuracy, and it was Lamar Jackson. Some people were out there saying Lamar Jackson could have been uh, playing at wide receiver, and they are two quarterbacks that have proven not just the most fantasy relevant, but have, have given their teams the most success. And so I, I honestly do believe that Trey Lance could could be one of those revolutionary quarterbacks that just just changes the way that we view the position. You know, he's he's a running guy, but he's very different to your Lamar Jacksons of the world. And I don't want to pass on him. You know, I don't want to be the guy that takes Trevor Lawrence at two and then and then spends the entirety of the league regretting the fact that Trey Lance turned out to be the guy that I thought he was going to be. Exciting. And then bringing in Jordan with the 103. So let's be honest, you, you must be doing somersaults right now. Yeah, I, um, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with any of their two picks, but if I'm if I'm in a, a fantasy um, draft and I'm getting um, Trevor Lawrence at 103, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I wish I were in a league with, one of the, with both these two picking at 101 and 102, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'd, I'd be really happy. I, I wasn't expecting it, but I'm really chuffed. Yeah, so Trevor Lawrence for me, obviously. And look, we, you know, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence. It feels like to death at this point. He's been you know, talked about, dragged through all sorts of uh, comps and the best quarterback prospect since... Andrew Luck or John Elway, depending on who you want to listen to. Do you think that he is going to come in and completely turn that Jaguars franchise around? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, yeah I think, we, like you say, we've heard people mention that we haven't seen a quarterback out this come out since um, Andrew Luck. And you can't really argue with it looking at him in, in college. So I'd, he's got he's got a few weapons there. He's got his mate, Travis Etienne, that will probably help him out big time as well. So I, I think... Um, I think you're looking at um, a, a good um, a good career, at least there, going for the future. And do you think that we'll get that rushing production that is so key for you know these these stud quarterbacks? It seems at the moment, obviously, he had decent rushing production in college. Do you think he'll continue that in the pros? I think with Urban Meyer, Meyer there, I think you definitely get that. You know, um, I, don't, I don't think he'll take that away from him, and so it'll be even more points points for me looking at that as well. So I am going to uh, now have my my pick on the turn. Um, I'll be honest; I'm I'm pretty delighted. It seems like everybody in this draft so far has said they're delighted with their first pick, but um, I'm going to take my QB two um, at 104, and that is going to be Justin Fields. Um, and then at the 105, I am going to take my number one non-quarterback player in this entire draft. Um, so stocks. What do you think of Justin Fields? Do you think we're going to see him start immediately? Do you think we're going to see him sit behind Andy Dalton all year? What, what do you think? 
Um, so we had Mike Boone on a Monday and he pretty much decided that he was going to start week one and they're going to give Andy Dalton the heave-ho. And then I listened to the uh, Move the Sticks podcast, the NFL one with Bucky Brooks and uh, Daniel Jeremiah. And they seemed to think sort of week eight would be would be where they were going to target. And I, I think it's, depending on what they see in camp and stuff and fields and everything I've heard about him and, and what we've seen from him at Ohio State, you know, the guy's good enough to be a starter in the NFL. And I think it is going to be, we draft, no, we, we, we bought in Andy Dalton, sorry, as the sort of insurance in case it all went wrong. And as soon as Andy Dalton becomes less than average, which let's face it, he's not got above average in his game anymore because he's old statesman now. I mean, once we see anything that they don't like, they traded up for fields. So they're going to deploy him and get him out there. So I, I don't, I don't know if the schedule it's not out yet, but I think, I don't know. I think week three, week four, something like that when Dalton's made, enough of a mess of it that they think that they bring in fields and just say, right, lad, let's rather than waste the season with you, not waste it sort of backing up Dalton, but you know, let's see what we've got with you so we can get you some pieces in the draft next year. Yeah. And I think for me that, you know, what, what makes me think that he's going to be in there sooner is that both the GM and the coach are fighting for their jobs. Mm-hmm. They are both very much on the hot seats. I don't know what the, the first head coach fired odds are, but I'm sure Matt Nagy's pretty high up on that list. And I think that the only thing that's going to keep them both their jobs is if Justin Fields can be the saviour of that franchise. And I think, you know, we're going to see him sooner rather than later. And I think they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. This is a guy that was, you know, from coming out of high school, we saw him on, you know, B show QB1. And we've seen him grow through college. And I think that he has ticked every box He's been compared to Trevor Lawrence throughout that entire process. And for me, he's my QB too. I completely get, you know, Tom Trey Lance love. Um, but for me, I guess I'm, I'm just going to go with the more, dare I say it, kind of safer option um, of a guy that's done it at a, a Power 5 programme and a, you know, a top-class programme at that. Um, and Tom, Jamar Chase, he is my highest graded wide receiver in terms of both my analytical model and my film grade of the last three years. He's a 99th centile wide receiver in my model. Do you think that he is going to come in and be as good, if not better, than Justin Jefferson was last year? Ooh. I think it'll be diff it'll be difficult for to for Chase to have the surprise factor that Jefferson had. Because I, I think it took a lot of people by surprise when Jefferson produced in the way that he did. I think there's far more expectation when it comes to Jamar Chase because of what he did in 2019 and because he's got his his college quarterback there. So I think there's, there's, there's more expectation. And I also think that for me, Chase going going on to that, that Bengals roster immediately becomes the wide receiver to, to contain. And I, and I include the, the veteran guys in there as well. Whereas... I think Jefferson went into the room where where Adam Thielen was was the person to to put your best cornerback on. So I, I'm going to say it wouldn't surprise me if, if Chase did have a have a similar year, but I'm going to say that he just just underwhelms in year one. Okay. Um, that's not to say that he's he's not the receiver that we think he is, 
he's landed in a great spot with his quarterback, but I don't see him replicating what Justin Jefferson did. I think, for me, I think he's going to take a little bit longer to adjust to the NFL game than Justin Jefferson did. I think they're whilst they went to the same college, whilst you know they were in the same offense, I think they're very different receivers. And I think Jamar Chase excelled in college as that jump ball physical receiver. And I think that while I have no doubts he's going to be able to be that in the NFL, I think he's you know it's a big step up from that physicality from a guy that's not played for a year. And I, I do wonder if we might see some teething problems, particularly at the start of this year, if Joe Burrow's not 100% yeah. fit, a little bit nervous with that knee under him. And I think that for me, I'm hoping that it might open up a few little bye windows for um, for Jamar Chase early in the season because I, I am expecting some early season struggles. And I do think that, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps week eight, nine on, I think he's going to be an absolute stud and, and be fantastic. But I don't think he's going to perform, you know, what was it? Justin Jefferson went off in, was it week three or week four and, and never really looked back. I'd, I'd be shocked if Chase settled into the NFL that quickly. Um. So coming back on the snake then, Jordan, we're back to you with the 106. And um, I'm going to pick um, Najee Harris, uh, running back. Um, I'm going to take <laughs> Tom Salabane. I'm leaving him Zach Wilson. He's happy. Um, I just, I, I just Najee Harris's landing spot at Steelers last last season, they, they show how much they struggled with the running back um, position, you know, over there. And I think they, they love to run the ball in the United FC North. And I think they're going to use him a lot. And and if you look at the backups, obviously there will be people coming in to help him out. But if you look at the backups for Steelers, there's not much there. So I think he'll be handling a lot of the work over in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think you know the, the Steelers haven't spent a first round pick on a, a running back to you know put him in a platoon. I think he's going to get fed a lot. Are you concerned about the offensive line? Obviously, it's it's deteriorated quite a bit over the the last couple of years. I know they spent some capital on it in the draft, but perhaps not as high as, as some people had hoped. Do you think that's going to give him the platform to succeed? Um, I think, obviously, there's always um, concerns and stuff, but I just think he's that good of a player that he can make stuff happen himself anyway. You know, like, um, you know, you, you see what he's like, especially after contact and stuff, he picks up a, a lot of yards and stuff. So, so, yeah, of course, it's a concern, but I, I still think he's just got too much to, too much quality to to have them type of worries. Yeah. I, I think probably underrated as well with Harris is that receiving game. I think he's going to walk in as a, a probably a 30-40 reception a, a season guy, which, you know, in terms of PPR leagues is no mean feat. And I think that will boost him up into that probably fringe RB1 category as, as early as year one, essentially. Um, so, Tom, you were doing celebrations off off camera yeah you've got your guy full back to you at the 107 yeah no shocks where you're going here no and this is this is my seventh overall player on the board as well so I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's still there and I can't believe that some people are fading him with with dare I say it quite the lazy take of oh well it's the Jets as if this is the same organization that that it's been in previous years um I'm taking Zach Wilson quarterback of the New York Jets. I'm particularly happy looking at the fact that I've I've got Trey Lance, who I, who I think is my uh, risky pick at the top of the draft board. But for, for me, for Zach Wilson, this is, this is a restart in New York. We may not see the best of him for a little while, but I have faith in the general manager 
um, to, to draft well. I have faith in the head coach to turn this around. And I have faith in, in Zach Wilson's ability. So I don't think we'll see the best of him in his, in his rookie year. We, it might be a, a case of the, the Josh Allens, maybe, where we, we don't see anything until year three. Um, but I'm, I'm delighted to pick up Zach Wilson here at 107. And as a fellow Jets fan, do you think we've, we've spent enough and done enough around him to enable him to succeed this year? Do you think there's still some question marks sat out there? They've done they've done everything for for this quarterback that they didn't do for the last one. They've gone out and spent spent big in free agency on what we might call a borderline wide receiver one in Corey Davis. I think the Jets will be hoping for for more than he, than he ever showed in in Tennessee. But then to go out and to get the the best interior offensive lineman on a on a really bad interior offensive line last year, and then and then a wide receiver at the top of the second round, running back at the top of the fourth. I think the Jets have done more in one draft for Zach Wilson, who hasn't played for the New York Jets yet, than they ever did for for the previous quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're looking at it, that you know Keelan Cole could be the wide wide receiver five for the Jets, and I think Crazy. he would probably would have been the wide receiver one in Sam Darnold's rookie year. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a better position that the Jets have uh, have put him in. So, stocks coming to you. So for me, in Rookie drafts at the moment, there is a huge drop off after this eight pick. I think there isn't, I'm calling it the elite eight. I'd love to say that I came up with that phrase, but I don't <laughs> think I did. Um, do, you, do you agree that there's a big drop off after this next pick? Um, well, shall I tell you my two picks and then you can tell me if either of them are within the elite <laughs> eight and then I'll let you know if I'm right or wrong? Let's go. So, this, if you've played any form of super flex, football fantasy football with me you'll know that I completely abandon the quarterback position until it is too late I'm happy to admit that or if I'm drafting at the 11 12th turn I'll take two at the first end of the first and second beginning of the second and then let the chips fall so the fact that there are no quarterbacks left really here for me to take isn't a problem I'm going to double up on the running back and I'm going to take Travis Etienne and Javante Williams at the uh, end of the first beginning of the second here and I think in my projections, I've got Travis Etienne pretty handily beating out James Robinson for that starting job. And then there's whispers that Melvin Gordon might not even be a Bronco at the start of the season now. So if Javante Williams walks into the starting job there and Travis Etienne can bully his way early on until the starting role in Jacksonville, these guys, I think they're game changers for rookies at the running back position. I think with the way the Broncos have drafted and the way the team's looking now, I think Javante Williams has got sneaky upside for, you know, a, a high end RB2 and Travis Etienne could be absolutely anything at this point. So I think with those two, I'm pretty set at the running back position and I can go and get myself a couple of wily veteran quarterbacks later on in the, in the big draft that may or may not ever happen guys. So, yeah, so, so you didn't disappoint. You, you took Travis Etienne, who is the, yeah, the, the last guy in my elite eight. Um, I think, for me, it, it seems that consensus is that Harris is, is RB1 and, and Etienne's kind of a distance too. Now, I, I personally have it that way, but I do think that Etienne's ceiling is obscene. I think he is so explosive and such a great you know, athlete that if he is going to win out this, this, you know, this sole job in Jacksonville, and I, I do think that his ceiling could be you know, top three running back in kind of dynasty. Whereas I see Harris as 
never really being more than that sort of mid RB1. That makes sense. You, do you think I'm talking crazy there, Stocks, or do you see that? I, I mean, you can't discount the guy who's the ACC leading rusher of all time, right? He's the, the guy is obviously a great football player. And I think the whole... I just don't think he's been... Exciting is the wrong word because he has had exciting plays and stuff, but I just don't think he gets hyped up enough for the skill level he has. And I think you're quite right with his mate in Jacksonville, with Urban Meyer and the way they've built their team now. I think there's a good chance that he could he could easily be the running back one of this group. But guys, guys, let me ask if if Denver do get rid of Melvin Gordon before the season starts, do you think Javante Williams up to this point has been drafted too late, or do you think he could? push Harris or Etienne for that number one position for this year's rookies because of the opportunity afforded to him. Tom, what, what do you think? I, I would I would hesitate. I mean, Stocks, you had the beauty of taking them back to back. If I was presented with that opportunity and just one pick, I would hesitate over Etienne over Williams at the moment um, until we know the, the, the running back situation in Denver. Now, I know Etienne gives you more in the passing game, but Javante Williams can be, if given the opportunity, can be a bell cow. And so I think right now I'm ever so slightly edging Javante Williams ahead of Travis Etienne. So so with that being said, Tom, if Gordon wasn't there, you'd be Williams over Etienne all day and every day, yes. twice on Sundays. Twice on Sundays, yeah. So, and how much of that Williams over Etienne is is the, the James Robinson sort of lurking in the background. If if we took Robinson and Gordon out of the mix, which I appreciate is, you know, a very much a hypothetical, where where would you sit then, do you think? I, I'm completely unsure as to what's going to happen in that Jacksonville <laughs> running back room. I mean, it's probably because I picked up some James Robinson shares and I'm terrified that they're going to be worth very little in the near future. I do see Robinson carving out a role. And I do think that they will they will they will share the backfield. And let's say Melvin Gordon is there. I think just in terms of tread on the tires, Jacksonville are going to get more use out of Robinson if he continues to play at that same at that same level. With with Melvin Gordon in Denver, it really is a coin toss for me. And then uh, so coming coming back to you then, Tom, for your next pick. So we're at the one ten. So mm-hmm. that's the way you go in here. I would be very tempted just to go quarterback again, but for, for the sake of fairness and sharing the love, I'm not going to do that. Plus, I, I, I'd never feel comfortable having a New England Patriot on my on my roster. <laughs> so the best remaining player or the highest ranked player remaining on my board, just outside, as, as you called it, Rich, the Elite Eight, I'm going to take... A spin with Devontae Smith, Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. And now I know you're, you know, big on on both the the Alabama wide receivers. How mm-hmm. how close is that conversation for you? Is is it not at all, or, or do you have them pretty tight? It's not as close as it was prior to the draft. I think that Waddle was a smart pick for a for a roster construction perspective from Miami, but he's now landing in a slot role alongside Will Fuller, Devontae Parker. Whereas I I can't see anyone challenging Devontae Smith to be Philly's wide receiver one. 
I like Jalen Rager. I still think that he he can provide something for Philly. For me, the draft has has edged Devontae Smith ahead of ahead of Waddle. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, for for me, that's you know that's not really a conversation. As as many people know, I'm not a huge Waddle fan, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of talk of. Jalen Hurts and you know the the Lamar Jackson talk around Richard Bateman and whether Jalen Hurts is going to have the same for Devonta Smith. But to me, I think that as you said, he, he's going to get enough targets in that offense. They might not be the most accurate targets, but I think he's going to get enough targets to be able to produce. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if we're seeing him in, in that you know hundred to one hundred twenty target role as soon as this first season. Which, you know, if any receivers getting a hundred targets, you're already talking about them as a, a top piece of fancy, quite frankly. Um, so, coming back to you then, Jordan, we've seen a uh, you know the elite eight go. William Smith, who, who have you got up next? I was hoping um, Tom would uh, be taking Waddle because I had Smith ahead of Waddle as well. Just obviously taking a chance with Jalen Hurts hitting him, but I'm, I'm in agreement with Tom. I see the um, the stacks wide receivers at Miami. And I just like. I'm, I'd be, I don't see how many touches he'll have. It will still be decent touches, but it, with it so crowded, the only benefit with it is the fact that Devontae Parker is the injury prone. Will Fuller, we never know what's going to happen with Will Fuller, do we? So I suppose, um, obviously, I am taking Jalen Waddle, and hopefully, that he gets more chances if if, if people fall in front of him. And do you think that the fact that you know Miami have chosen? They had the pick of the two. Obviously, Tua is is the quarterback and they've picked Waddle. Do you think that is a, a good thing for Waddle? Do you think Tua's come out and said, he's the guy that I want? Or do you think that was, a, as you said, a, a, a piece within the offensive scheme that they didn't have and is is completely different type of player to the monster? I think um, it, it, I think that that's who they wanted with um, the fact that he's also um, he can return the ball. You know, he's got he's got upside in that sense, and um, also just just a chess piece where they can get him out of the backfield and do different things with him as well. Also helps probably pick him, but yeah, either one would have helped to to honestly. But I think that just them extra bits for Waddle that you get um, was probably one of the reasons maybe they picked him. Yeah, I I do wonder as well. There's a lot of talk of potential in special teams and, and all that kind of thing that, you know, from a fancy perspective wouldn't be ideal, but from an NFL perspective would be. But for me, I can't see a team spending a, you know, a, a top six pick on a guy and then they're going to stick him on pump returns and kick his heads. I, I just can't see it. I mean, do, do you think I'm talking crazy, Tom? Do you think they're going to use him there or? Uh, do I think you're talking crazy? I don't think you're talking crazy, but six points is six points, whether it comes on, special teams or, or on offence. And if you go back and watch 2019 against Auburn, Jalen Waddle is incredible on the return game. Um, and we see we see the Chiefs use um, sparingly Tyreek Hill in that role on occasion as well. So I, I, I see where you're coming from. And I do think you're right. You don't draft somebody number six overall and use them primarily in that role. But to not utilise those talents for me, even if it is on occasion, would be foolish if if uh, if I'm Miami. 
Yeah, maybe that's that's a good point, actually. I sort of think about, you know, even Odell Beckham has, was used there occasionally for the Giants and um, Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles. And, and maybe that's it. Maybe he's a, a breaking case of emergency for Miami of we need a spark. OK, Jalen, you, you go and return a kick for us. But I just can't see him being the, you know, the down in, down out kick return or punt return. It feels like a, a big old waste for me there. Um, so back to me with, with the turn. Um, so I'm going to end the the quarterbacks, we say, um, in the first round. So I'm going to take Mac Jones, um, the 112. Um, Stocks, he's being, you know, fallen down draft boards from fancy perspective as a, an unsexy pick because, let's be honest, he looks pretty unsexy with his shirt off. Are you thinking that that kills him from fancy production? Do you think that he could be so accurate and effective that he's still going to produce or, or where do you sit with Mac Jones? Oh, man, I, it's, it's a difficult one because I think he has got the accuracy to produce. We saw it last year at Bama. I mean, the guy can put a football on a laser exactly where it needs to be time and time again. Do I think he'll have enough of an opportunity to do that at New England with the addition of, of all the the returning players on defense, you know, they added another running back showing that they still want to run the football. Cam is on a deal there. Let's, you know, if Cam isn't terrible, they don't have to play Mac Jones this year. And I think maybe you're drafting him thinking, oh, Cam will do something wrong and they're going to drop, put, they're going to put Mac Jones in. But nobody knows how big Bill thinks it could be a whole season of sitting behind Cam, regardless of how bad Cam is even though they drafted him in the first round. So I think I think he's got the tools to do it. I just don't think he'll have the, the volume to do so because of how New England play. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what they do with that offense this year. I, I sort of the when they went out and got those two tight ends and as you said they've they've added another sort of power back in the draft in Stevenson. And I do I sort of can picture it being a Cam led offense of you know, lots of 21 and 22 or 12 personnel, heavy sets. You've got your deep burner in Nelson Aguilar outside, keeping that safety over the top. And I just kind of feel like that offense is built for Cam at the moment. And I, I, I just can't picture Mac Jones in it. I don't think he's got the elite route runners that he needs to take the offense to the next level. And I, I just, you know... For me, I feel like that offense is a year away from being ready for Mac Jones. I'm going to be completely proved wrong and he's going to start week one and <laughs> Bill's going to shock the world now. But I I just feel like I think they're going to roll with the veteran presence. I think they're going to see if they can ride Cam with that defense coming back and some improved weapons. And, you know, I personally think Mac Jones is going to sit there. Yeah. And then... With the, the first pick in the second round, um, so I'm going to take Rashad Bateman. Uh, he was my pre-draft wide receiver two. Um, he is my post-draft wide receiver two, which I know it shocks a lot of people. I think there's been some some fair slander sent his way in terms of passing volume and, and that kind of thing. Um, I got into it a little bit on the last week's pod with Tyler Carp, and, and I just think that I can see a, an opportunity for him to walk into 100 targets without that offence changing. And I think that offence will slightly change. But if I can pencil in 100 targets for a wide receiver, to me, that's 
that's plenty volume for a guy that I think is, you know, a, a top notch receiver. And I think he's great at everything. He's not, you know, elite at anything, but I think he's great across the board. And I think he will get open. I think he'll help take the offense forward and not. I mean, Jordan, do you think that Rashad Bateman can be fantasy relevant, can be a stud with Lamar Jackson and the way that offense runs? Uh I'm on the fence with it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure myself. Uh, you know how much they like to run the ball. Obviously, it gives them an extra option, but they've still you've got um, you've got the tight ends there. Um, I always forget his name. Um, you've, Mark you've Andrews. Tyler, yeah, you've got Tylen Wallace that they drafted late on, who's, who could have easily been a first round pick in uh, 2019. But obviously, with injuries and, and things like that. But so I'm, I'm still on the fence with the, the Ravens' passing game in itself. We have seen it on certain games, the Browns game last year, where you can see that he can pick out a throw Lamar. But at the end of the day, to me, they're going to run it as much as possible in most games, especially in the AFC North, how much they love to run it up there. It, it's it's fascinating for me, a team that, as you said, runs the ball and is built around the run game, yet has spent now in back-to-back drafts, have four, four draft picks, premium draft capital as well. And you think it was a first rounder. And I think, was it a third rounder for Duvernay, I want to say? Um, and then obviously Tyler Wallace as well. It's, you know, that's a lot of draft capital we spend on the wide receiver position. Um, that, And then you're going to run the ball, you know, 55% of the time. It, it does seem slightly crazy, but call me uh, call me silly, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Rashad Bateman. And, and I really do believe that he's a cut above um, most of the other receivers that are, are left on the board. I must say that I do like him, though. So I just feel that, and I do like him. There's nothing against Rashad Bateman. I just, I'm just not sure how. I'm just not sure what we will we'll see over the season. But I'm, just, I'm on the fence. I'm, I'm that's, that's good to know. Good to know. So coming back to you, Jordan, um, with the the two o two. Now I think for me, this is the point where the the draft you, you kind of have a decision make. It's it's do you slightly perhaps reach on one of those running backs and and take someone that you're sort of projecting into hopefully getting the role because of the draft capital spent on them? Or do you take one of these, shall we say, questionable wide receivers? And I think there's probably a, a bunch of three or four now that have, have got those question marks. So where where are you going to go here? Yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a difficult pick, really, because you've got... I, I, I must admit, a lot of the players, I, I wasn't a fan of the landing spots on a lot of them this year in the draft, to be honest with you, um, fantasy-wise. But... It might be um, it might be a, a little a little reach. I'm not sure, but I'm going to go for Elijah Moore at the New York Jets. You're making me a very happy man, there, Jordan. Um, um, no, no, no criticisms from me. I think Elijah Moore <laughs> is fantastic. I think you know the one question of him is is that size, which I think is quite frankly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm v- I'm very intrigued to see if the Jets are going to move on from Jameson Crowder. Um, I think they they can save almost 10 million by cutting him, and I wouldn't be shocked if that is a move that we do make. Um, and and then I think you're going to see the Elijah Moore price skyrocket if that happens. Um, do you think that Elijah Moore is going to be penciled into a pure slot role, or do you think he can be more than that at the next level? Um, he's definitely got the talent to be more than that. I'm not sure how the Jets will use him. Um, it probably probably will be a predominantly slot role, but I wouldn't be surprised if they used him other places. I think, I think Tom touched on it earlier. I think they've built um, really well in the first few rounds there for the Jets. You know, with the um, 
the Vera took a pick, you know, to to protect Zach Wilson. I think I'm optimistic. I don't know how you two feel as Jet fans. I'm optimistic. Optimistic as a good season for um, Zach Wilson, but you you two know more than me about the uh, about the disappointments of the Jets before. So, but I am I'm looking forward to seeing him. Personally, I'm absolutely terrified because. I, I hate it when I have one of my, you know, pre-draft crushes in Elijah Moore lands on my team and I feel like I'm I'm going to be doubly disappointed because what's going to happen is he's going to disappoint, which is going to disappoint me as a Jets fan, but he's also going to disappoint me from a fantasy perspective. I mean, Tom, t- talk some sense into me. Do you, do you think Elijah Moore's going to be a stud? Do you think he's going to break the curse? Yeah, listen, you've got to believe that, you know, the this, if if you, if you don't allow yourself to hope, then you've got nothing. Because you know what happens when the season rolls around. Four games in, you're one of the three, and we're back looking at the next draft class. So you've got to let yourself hope in this period. You know this is this is what keeps us coming back. And all I keep coming back to is I'm, I'm not going to say that that the team's going to set the NFL alight because I know that that isn't going to happen. But we need to have a cut off date. You know this isn't Mike McCagnan. This isn't Adam Gase. This is a new era with a young offence, Elijah Moore is much more than a slot receiver. Now, he has to be used in the right way, and that's that's a different matter. Um, I think you're right, Rich. I think the comment about Jason Crowder is spot on. If we see Jameson Crowder on the field for the Jets, then we might see more less often than we'd like. I also think it might be it might be cause to, to start thinking about what you're going to do with Denzel Mims on your fantasy teams, because we might see Elijah Moore starting to eat into Mims's time on the field. So I think the, the key thing with Elijah Moore is just keeping an eye on what happens in that Jets wide receiver room. But used correctly, I think the, way the, the Jets are onto a winner. I think for me, the Jets, if you take Jameson Crowder out of that room, you have now got the perfect wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. And that's not me saying that they're all the the you know the, the dream wide receivers in the NFL, but I think you've got four wide receivers that all fit a prototypical role. I think you've got your ideal prototypical X in Denzel Mims, who's going to be that you know outside the numbers, deeper threat. who's going to body up receivers. You've got your prototypical Z or Z in in Corey Davis, and I think he's going to work in that intermediate route. And you've got Elijah Moore, who, let's be honest, I think I agree with you. I think he is more than just a slot receiver, but he's going to settle in. So that's sort of why that slot role mm-hmm. and be that movable piece. And then yeah. you've got Keelan, the underrated player in that Jets offense, who can play all three of those roles, who is, I think, incredibly underrated, who could be an absolute stud as a backup for any of those three if something happens. So for me, that foursome is you tick your boxes, you, you, you've got every box ticked there. So I'm, I'm very excited about the Jets wide receiver core. Um, we, we digress slightly, Tom, talking about the, the Jets wide receivers. Where, where are you going now? We're on the 203 pick. I'm just going to hijack this entire pod talking about New York. Um, <laughs> now, for the record, it is between Kadarius Tony and Michael Carter. Um, and I do have Michael Carter at 203. So I had Wilson at 107, and I have Michael Carter as my 203. So I'm going to stick with my rankings, and I'm going to take Carter. So we can t- continue talking about the Jets in that case. I will. I will try to keep it to keep it brief. But do you think I think in terms he's of the, be a- the style of runner that he is, 
I think it's it's the ideal fit. You know, Jordan was saying before, didn't like a lot of the the landing spots for certain players. I think Carter is the exception to that because his outside zone style of of running with the football fits with what the what the Jets are going to try and do. Now, it's a crowded room at the moment. I don't expect all all four of those guys to be on the roster. So uh, Ty Johnson or Josh Adams might find themselves looking for work. Tevin Coleman, I expect, will will, will still be sticking around. But I imagine if, if the Jets do go with a, with a three-headed um, running back committee, I still expect Carter to be the dominant member of that. I think I'd feel so much more confident about Carter as a fantasy producer if he was picked three picks earlier and was a third-round pick. I think the fact that he was a day pick for me, you know, I, I lean on my analytics and it just knocks down that projected hit rate quite a bit. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I love the fit. I think he can come in and be a, you know, a workhorse back. I think, mm-hmm. I do think he's going to need a running mate like we saw in college. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, 80, 90% opportunity share guy. Um, but, that I just keep coming back to that fourth round pick. Um, which me, me, I, I love him. I love the landing spot, but I just, I, I can't get over that. And it's just going to nag in the back of my head throughout all of these rookie drafts. <laughs> Stocks, do you, do you think that's ridiculous? Do you think I'm crazy for allowing two picks to, to sway my, my thoughts on him that much? Hey, look, listen, the, uh, the, the stats based on if you are a third round or after fantasy pick, in the NFL translating to fantasy if you're later than a third round. I think it's something like four wide receivers after round three in the last, I, I can't remember the stat now, it's like something like the last six round drafts. If you were taking after round three, you're pretty much irrelevant for fantasy. But the only thing I would say with that car pick, do you think when they were on the clock at the end of round three thinking... No one else is going to pick him here. We've basically got a free pick at the fourth, whereas there's a guy we think we might go at the end of the third, which is exactly what Tom's done to me here. Because with Michael, if Michael Cart was there, I'd have taken him. Um, and Kadarius Tony's there, and I'm not going to touch him with my next two picks. So Tom's played those two cards the right way round, and I'm just wondering whether the Jets have done the same thing with Carter in real life. I absolutely think so. I think if if the Jets hadn't have traded up for Vera Tucker in that first round and, and traded away those two third round picks, I think they would have been penciling, you know, Carter as that third round pick. I think the fact that, you know, they obviously went went early on, on day one and, and got Zach Wilson and Vera Tucker and then got Elijah Moore at the top of the second they then weren't picking again until the top of the fourth. So I think the Jets were absolutely delighted that Carter made it to the fourth round. Um and I think that you know, it, it is a, a, a really good landing spot. And let's be honest, what we're expecting to be a very good rushing offense. I think if you could look at that Shanahan scheme, wherever it's gone, it's translated to running back success. Um, I just, as I said, it's, it's just going to nag whenever it comes to click that draft button that he was a fourth round pick. So <laughs> you, you, you said that you were gutted that Carter's gone. No, gutted strong, Rich, because I've got two of the three best running backs in the class. So I don't need to, you know, I don't need all three. That would be greedy. So who who are we going to go with um, your your final picks? So, Jordan, Tom, uh, if Rich hadn't taken Bateman, would either of you drafted Bateman over the guys you drafted? Yes. Okay. Easy as that. 
That was very assertive, Tom. I'm pleased with I that. Don't, I don't think so. I'm I'm a no. I would have stuck with um, Elijah Moore. I just don't know about the. Uh, I'm just, like, like I said, I like Bateman. I'm just not sure about Baltimore. I just need the right wide receivers there. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I just I've seen him fall a little bit in some drafts. Uh, obviously, you guys are, are pretty sharp at this, so necessarily he didn't fall. But I was I was just thinking there might be a, a slim chance that he makes it back to me, just because people don't like the landing spot. But I had him at three in in the playbook, uh, and you know that's pretty high. You guys had him at two. Murph also had him at two, and if he had slid that far back to me here uh, at the two hundred four, I would have been doing cartwheels around the studio which isn't the studio you can't see this on video rush nation um oh man this is so difficult because i don't see trey sermon matt waldman i'm rambling now so you stop me at any time rich because this is your pod not mine um matt waldman's got trey had trey sermon as his number one running back in this class now for matt waldman a guy with that you know tom and i spoke to him a guy with that amount of knowledge and and what he does for that RSP is ridiculous. So for him to have him at number one and him still to be there, and I don't actually own any shares of him yet. I almost want to take Trey Sermon here, although I still won't have any shares of him. I want to take him here just to say that I have picked him at some point in this process, but I don't have any wide receivers yet. And considering this is a dynasty rookie mock, essentially wide receivers are important, but do I, take a couple of wide receivers who have got question marks like you said rich over trey sermon who joins a really crowded backfield but could break out to be but will shanahan i just don't know i need more time um come on i'm okay. gonna press you let's go <clears throat> that's fine Pick i'm two. gonna i'm gonna take trey sermon at the 204 and then i'm gonna take rondell Moore with the 205 exciting picks so very excited to talk about both these guys. So Trey Sermon, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think there's a lot to love about that player. The stats show as well, whenever a team trades up on day one or two for a running back, that back is ex- out produces running backs that are drafted on day one or two that don't aren't traded up for. I've explained that really terribly, but I hope that makes sense. Um, obviously, the 49ers were expecting that offense to be, again, built around the run. I've high production, let's be honest, Trey Sermon, the ceiling there in that offence, if he is everything that he's showed glimpses of in college, he he could be incredible, couldn't he? Do you think stocks that we're now at, I, don't, I can't count how many heads are in that backfield. We've got Mostert, Wilson, obviously took the guy at the back end of, of the draft as well. Do you think it's going to be a, a timeshare and a, and a hot hand approach to that offense. Uh, it's, <laughs> the trouble is, it's the same sort of thing as trying to read New England with the 49ers, with Kyle Shanahan. It's really difficult. And I, but I do think that perhaps with uh, Raheem Mostert being 29, coming into his year 30 season, hasn't necessarily stayed fit. I just think maybe, like you said, they traded up for Trey Sermon. Is this the start of them perhaps using only two running or three running backs as opposed to four. Jeff Wilson, he's been good, but in sporadic periods. So I don't know. And I I just do running quarterbacks take away from the running back position in fantasy enough for me to worry about picking Trey Sermon. Rich, you're in a... a So 
so <laughs> without wanting to get too into the weeds um so basically they increase brushing production on average and they decrease receiving production so because of the the increased rushing threat of a of the quarterback it it opens holes you see greater rushing production in terms of yards per carry and and other efficiency stats i appreciate yards per carry isn't the be all and end all um but you do tend to see a reduction in terms of targets per game because that quarterback rushing ability and the ability to take off and scramble means there's less checkdowns in that kind of so that's a, a, an in a nutshell way of saying no, it doesn't have a huge <laughs> effect um, unless you project Thurman being the, you know, the passing downs back. Okay. Well, I'm fine with my Trey Sermon pick now, if that, okay. if that helps anybody out, out there. And, uh, then, and Rondell Moore. Yeah. I, this is because I haven't drafted him anywhere yet. Uh, and I took Terrace Marshall this morning. I, I really like what Rondell Moore can do in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. And I think Andy Isabella is going to be the forgotten man. I don't think we'll see much of him at all. AJ Green, as much as I love the guy, he's very old now and hasn't produced over the last few seasons. So I think it's time for me to let go there. And then Christian Kirk, I think Rondell Moore, if he provides enough explosive plays, he's very different to to Nuke Hopkins and I think he can be open enough in those in a team that runs the most wide receivers you know four wide in the NFL I think there's room for Rondell Moore to get those plays and at this point I'm I'm not playing him as a wide receiver I'm playing him as a flex and I'm hoping for upside because everyone else I've got so far is locked in points week on week so let's build that upside right there and I think that you you kind of hinted at something there that I love I I I don't see him as a pure wide receiver. I think he is going to be a movable piece. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him line up in the backfield and get a couple of carries, you know, those sort of screen passes and flares out the backfield. And I think that we have never seen a freshman season in college like Rondelmore. He it is absolutely unprecedented. In terms of the production, yes, the volume that he received in terms of targets and receptions per game was ridiculous. And I've never seen an, a college offense essentially say our offense is going to be the Rondell Moore show quite like it was, but the production is off the chain. And it's just a case of, I can't, you know, I talk about age production all the time and I can't look past someone like Rondell Moore and not think he's going to be fantastic in the NFL. Tom, you're, you're nodding along with me there. Are you a, a big Rondell Moore fan? Absolutely. I mean, you watched the, the game against Ohio State two years ago now, and as you said, in his freshman year, and, and he ripped Ohio State to shreds. Um, saying that, you, he had a great freshman year, but we didn't see a sophomore year, and we didn't see a junior year, and it's been a a long time since we've seen him playing consistently and playing healthy. So, you know, that, that tempers any any optimism that, that I currently have. Stocks, you managed to convince me that actually Arizona's a good landing spot in terms of how they utilise receivers because there's there's a lot of weapons there in Arizona for, for Kyler Murray. I imagine Cliff Kingsbury's very excited about how he's going to use Rondell Moore and what you said, Rich, about utilising him in the running game um, or on passes behind the line of scrimmage. I think that we're going to see him used quite creatively. 
Jordan, are you are you concerned? You know, Rondell Moore a lot was made of the fact he measured in at five foot seven. Are you concerned that that height could cap his ceiling? For excuse the pun. <laughs> I, I tell you, what I am concerned about being a Seahawk fan coming up against these two guys because I, re- I really think um, Trey Sermon could be a nightmare. <laughs> really, if he if he hits his, um, we, we don't really know his peak. Really, you know, the back end we saw flashes of him. And we, we don't know what he could be. He could be unbelievable, you know. So I'm not looking forward to that. But going back to your question, um, I, I'm one of these that's not concerned in size until I see people play. You know, obviously, we, we can break the sizes of players down, but we've seen in the past that sometimes size doesn't matter when, until and, until we see them. So I'm a bit of a optimist going in with, with players. You know, I just I just I just see what they can do first. But yeah, it, is, it could be a concern, but not for me. I'll just. I'll see what he can do first. Okay. And then, Tom, with your final pick in the draft, mm-hmm. we're at the 206 here. Where, where are you going to go? I'm surprised that there's a, a first-round receiver available here at, at this late stage. And I, I know he's had his detractors and his fantasy draft stock has fallen somewhat since since the NFL draft. But I'm going to take uh, Kadarius Tony, who I've currently got as my 204. So, just a little bit of additional value there as well. I did. Um, I, I'm not a huge Tony fan, and I think I'm probably slightly lower than consensus. But I did read a really interesting article this morning. Um, apologies, I can't remember who wrote it to give him a plug. But it was basically saying, as fantasy analyst, everybody is low on Tony, yet the NFL wasn't. So are we saying that we think we're more intelligent and are better at this than? A, a multi-billion-dollar industry that spends every available resource scouting and, and analysing prospects. And look, Kadarius Tony was a consensus first-round pick on most people in mock drafts, which to me says there was a lot of teams that had him as a first-round pick. And here we are, as you said, middle of the second, and he's he's still on board. Yeah, and we spoke on the on the college podcast with John Lab quite a while ago, and we were talking about. Tony's performance at the Senior Bowl um, and John in particular places separation speed way beyond uh, the concerns that I had about his drops at college level. Um, from his point of view, separation speed is something you can't teach, whereas drops is something that you can work on. And so he was high on him. And as you said, you know, the Giants have taken him at, at, at 20 overall. They weren't confident that he was going to be there when they came to pick again in the second round. So so maybe they did reach ever so slightly, but they've spent a first round draft pick on him now. Now Kenny Galladay is going to be the main man for the Giants. But I imagine that they're going to carve out a role for Tony as and when it comes to it. Um, I'm not high on him, to be honest, Rich. You know, I'm somebody who's who's not going to be touching Tony until the mid to late second round of a rookie draft. But, but here at, at 206, I think this is fair value. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's it's hard, as you said, a, a first round NFL player falling to this point. It's hard to class uh, that up. So, Jordan, coming to you with your your final pick in the draft. Talk us through what what are you looking at? What are you thinking here? Yeah, um, there's a few players that I absolutely love. That obviously, if me personally, that would normally probably go a little bit later. I like um, Jarrett Patterson. I think that's a good land potential good landing spot at Washington. Um, obviously, Dwayne Eskridge at Seattle. I don't think he'd get many 
many many receiving chances with the two guys there, but I do like it. But I'm going to take. I was on last time. You know how much I like to take a punt and stuff. I'm a, I'm a bit of a gambler, and and Tom will vouch for me here. I love Nico Collins, oh, and I think yes. it's a, a fantastic chance at Houston. You know, um, with the very uncrowded <laughs> receiver thing there. You know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Watson, but they've picked up Davis Mills. Um, I think it's. Um, Tyrod Taylor, I think there's there as well, who's um, there. So I, I think he could be a, a big player for them, you know. And I, I can, like I said, Tom knows how much I love him and stuff. I think he's he had he didn't really get a chance to show his qualities in um, in college, and I think he's a lot better than people have given him credit for. Because oh, I could hear the excitement coming from you there. You're you're a big Nico fan. Yeah, I mean, when I watched his tape and stuff for the playbook, I enjoyed what I watched, and that was a key factor for me. If I enjoyed what I watched, then you got a higher ranking in the book. And not only that, I think he's landed in a spot, regardless of who quarterback, there's going to be somebody throwing the football, and there isn't anybody to throw it to. So Nico Collins could walk in, apart from Brandon Cooks, and he could be the guy, the second guy, straight away. And when you've got especially if Davis Mills is the starter at some point and he's got a a rapport with fellow rookie, I think that could, that could work as well. And I just, I I like what Nico Collins brings size and speed wise. And I think, I think it's a great pick. And although it might be a bit early, Jordan, that is definitely in now contention for my best, not your own pick. (laughs) (laughs) I just love a gamble. I think Rich, I'd be on last time. I just can't help myself. Absolutely. So, to, to close out the draft, I'll be honest, I was all prepared and all ready. I was ex- fully expecting having to take Tito Atwell at the 208, which I think I've pretty much got him in every draft that I've done so far. And that's not because I'm particularly targeting. I just think that I'm, I seem to be far higher than everyone else. But I'm going to leave him for uh, for somebody else later in the draft and I'm going to take Terrace Marshall. Um, I just think that if... If he is fully healthy, if he can, you know, replicate some of the talent that we saw in BA, five-star recruit out of high school, go to LSU. And yes, he he was the third fiddle in that offense behind Jefferson and Chase. But I do think that there is an awful lot of potential there. Tom, do you think that Marshall could be a fancy relevant player as, as soon as year one? Yes. Yes, I can. Um I, I imagine that there is a gap in that wide receiver room and Robbie Anderson in Carolina has got one year left on his deal. And so I imagine that there's going to be opportunities, certainly in year two. But also, of course, without Curtis Samuel there in his rookie year, we're going to see him on the field. So you might not see the best of him straight away, but certainly in year two, I imagine that we, we will see more of him. And so, so to close out the the pod, then stocks you you hinted at it there. Who's uh, who had the best pick in the draft that that wasn't your own? Um, it can't be Nico Collins because he would have been there later, Jordan. I'm really sorry. I think I think the best pick for me was Zach Wilson. Uh, that far down at 107, I think in a super flex league, he's got to go earlier because he's starting in in New York. There's and they've like everyone has said they've given him the weapons, and it was. Because he picked before me as well, Tom would have known that a quarterback would have gone if he was there. So I think that for me is Zach Wilson at 107's the pick. And uh, and Jordan, 
what do you think the best best player not selected so far? Who who would you be looking at if you had that two oh nine? Um, I don't. It's a hard one for me because um, you know, like I said, I, I like I like Chris, but a man a man who asked Dent Brown at the Detroit Lions um, would be up there for me. Obviously, I know there's question marks over the quarterback there, but there's not again it's a it's a, a very dense um receiving corp and, and he's a very good wide receiver so i think that would be up there for me but you'd, i'd probably take about 10 minutes to give you an answer to actually looking at <laughs> no, the interest I, of the players. i think it's it's a valid point i think you know it's, it's a really difficult one for me because i feel like i've sort of put myself on a hill and i need to die on it of day three wide receivers are irrelevant and I think I love I love the player. I think he's a very good receiver. I think he's going to come in and be probably the target leader in that wide receiver room from day one. I think it, you know it's, it's a good landing spot. But I, for me, as I, as Stock said earlier, you know there's been four wide receivers in the last ten years that have produced the top twenty four season drafted on day three. Um, and I just don't see Amon Ross and Brown. Being number five as such, so uh, so yeah, I'm I'm less hopeful on some ground. So Tom, who was the the most surprising pick? Do you think who who was uh, who kind of chopped you the most? Hmm. I think even even in a Titan premium, I was surprised to hear Kyle Pitts go first, and that's only because I don't play in Titan premium leagues, or I haven't <laughs> played in Titan premium leagues, so. I hear Superflex and I'm expecting to see three quarterbacks off the board. So personally I was surprised at Pitts, but but that doesn't mean that it was it was by any stretch of reach because as I said, my experience in Titan Premium Leagues is uh, is very limited. After that it's a tough one. I'm I'm looking at these picks here. I can't see a single pick where I think that, that there's a whiff. To be honest, I don't think anyone's been 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 massively overly that's, drafted. That's great, I, great to hear because I guess then it gives the the list nice nice little sort of rundown of what you should be doing in, in your rookie drafts. Just yeah. just follow I mean, that. If I, if I really had to pick one, I'd say Jalen Waddle ahead of Rashad Bateman. I would, I'd take Bateman over Waddle. So, thank you ever so much for for joining us, guys. It's been it's been fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, stocks any regrets taking pits 101 absolutely none none whatsoever I started it by saying I got none and I'm finishing it by saying I've got none no regrets at all Rich good stuff good stuff so where where can we find all of you so stocks what have you got coming up where can we find you um well you can find me on the same channel as you listen to this we come out <laughs> on a Monday or a Tuesday Murph and I run the uh, five yard rush fantasy podcast over there uh if, if i can rich i'd like to plug the book if that's okay with you absolutely you're, you're the boss you're in charge you, <laughs> well, you plug away what you want i'm a guest so murph and i have spent the winter months writing the second edition of the fantasy football playbook it is out now as a pdf i said on the podcast monday we are struggling with gremlins on the amazon side and as i talk to you now lee is feverishly working away on his home computer so hopefully we can get that fixed soon but if you enjoyed last year's or you heard people talking about last year's and thought you'd give it a go this year it is available as pdf at the moment it is 10 pounds and then the amazon book if you want a paperback will be out soon i can't promise a date because that would be remiss of me and stocks can't say it so i'm going to i read an awful lot of fantasy football um kind of 
architecture and, and articles and lots of books and everything like that. This is absolutely the best thing out there. It is incredible. Um, I've, I've had a read. I've not quite covered to cover yet, but um, uh, I've made a, a decent inroad and it is truly incredible. So it's, I promise you going to be the best £10 you'd spend and, and will absolutely set you up for your drafts and everything uh, into the year. And, and Tom Jordan on the college side, where, where find you? Where can people listen to the podcast? Well, you can usually find me sat in my living room, but if you can't find me there, <laughs> uh, we're at, over at Five Yard College on Twitter. We've started to look on the podcast at some Power Five previews. I've um, also been speaking to a potential writer just this evening about some um, some Group of Five conferences as well. So that's that's quite exciting. We're we're hopefully going to be to be branching out, looking at some season previews getting away from the 2021 draft, but also previewing some players that we're already keeping at least half an eye on in the run-up to 2022. Exciting times. Very much look forward to reading all of that. And if I can just have one final plug from myself, guys. So I posted on Twitter a couple of days ago, I am uh, doing some dynasty roster reviews. Um, I'm putting together um, sort of pamphlets, booklets, however you want to describe it, looking at, individual teams and player rosters um in order to get that it's a small donation to our chosen charity which is unique um if you are interested in that um please do drop me a dm on twitter at honesty island um, i'm more than happy to discuss anything with you the idea is is that i'm helping you to put your dynasty roster in a better place and, and you help out our chosen charity but thank you ever so much for coming on guys it's been fantastic i've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you again next week HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.